0: Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. and author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters all of which are available, 10 volumes in paperback, ebook, and Kindle format at amazon.com. And if you're an audiophile, you can get volumes one through nine and soon volume 10 at Audible, Amazon, and iTunes as well. And I would encourage you to go on YouTube and become a subscriber to the channel I've put up on there. Uh, You can click on an episode and then you'll get a little kind of drop down in the bottom. It will also lead you to all the other uh, episodes that are up on there. So please go there, become a subscriber and uh, do a service for your host. And now without any further ado, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you this morning? I'm doing all right, Bill. Other than uh, we
1: got some serious boomers going on here in the background, <laughs> a good thunderstorm and heavy rain. So if you hear some uh, crashes and that, hopefully it's not a dog man breaking through my door here. <laughs> well,
0: it's a perfect time for them to conceal their entry. I know. Well, no, that's just thunder, <laughs> not a dog man. <laughs> Does thunder growl? Yeah, thunder is growling today. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this oh.
1: uh, this rain left claw marks on the door. <laughs> Must, Must be that's sleep. That's
0: strange. <laughs> Sharp shards of sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! So, bro, what do we have today in a cryptids in the news and other oddities segment?
1: Yeah, Bill, this week we're going to the news and uh I had another podcast all queued up and one of our listeners uh sent in a story um to look into and I was like, "Wait a minute. This is uh this is a little too good. I'm going to have to put the other one on hold." So <laughs> so one of our field reporters out there, Kyle, sent in this story. Uh, from the New York Post, uh New York newspaper. It was uh dated August 25th, 2023, so not too long ago. No. And the headline kind of says it all Naked Wolfman spotted by hikers in German mountains. Whew. Naked Wolfman. Yeah, this is uh this is something else. And uh good real good story, firsthand account. Uh, saw him in the daytime. And then uh, when they reported it to police, there's other stories just like this. And they have like really good photographs. Really wow. good
0: photographs. Like you're wow.
1: like, holy cow,
0: what wow. the hell? Uh, you know, Naked Wolfman, it's kind of redundant. I mean, did you think he was going to wear a pair of Calvin Klein jeans or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a wide collar shirt ready and, to go you know. to the disco? <laughs> <laughs> At least before he busts out of them, you know. <laughs> Remember Lon Chaney in the old Wolfman movie? Uh, you know, yeah. All of a sudden, you know, he'd look out the window and the full moon was shining and he'd start to get rust- restless and his beard would grow and he'd start tearing his shirt apart. And well, makes, I mean,
1: I, for me, I always think about, you know, one of my favorite movies, which is American Werewolf in London. Uh When that guy, whoever that actor is, I should know, uh, starts uh, snarling and that and the hair is coming out of the back of his hands and, you know. Yeah, real creep fest. Bones are
0: changing shape and whoa. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) So let's get into this uh, German werewolf. Yeah, so
1: this uh, was seen um, by some folks that were hiking in what's called the Harz Mountains, okay? And the Harz Mountains, I looked it up on our friend Google Maps, it's uh, about halfway between Berlin and Frankfurt, so west of Berlin and east of Frankfurt. And it looks like a big national park and mountains there, and the photographs make it look like it's also pretty darn rural. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, they they have a picture. I'll put the picture up on com under uh, episode 213, 213. And um, they, uh, this Gina Weiss and her friend Toby were out there uh, hiking, and they encountered what they called an unkempt figure who sat on a rock looking like he's carrying a spear in the middle of the wilderness, while they were on the hike, and they said this guy uh, would not take his eyes off of us, and you'll see in the photograph, this guy, this person, looks like uh, like a caveman you know, all dirty and a lot of hair on him and stuff like that, Uh sitting down on the stones outside of a cave or uh, an area of caves and uh, holding what looks like a long spear.
0: Would you consider him uh, looking to look like a werewolf? uh, Looks like a caveman. Wow. You know, like, you know how
1: you have like extra hair, uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, definitely, I would say human, uh, you know,
0: Stone Age man. Wow. Yeah. So and they're calling it, though, the headline was Naked Werewolf. Wolfman. 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 Yeah. Wow. So
1: I can see why they say that, you know, but the best description to me is if you could, uh, you know, if you were watching some. You know, Discovery Channel show where they reenact you know the Stone Age and cavemen and stuff like that. That's what this looks like. Wow, man! And holding yeah. a spear,
0: big spear. It's probably like eight feet long. Wow. Well, so, it would have to be. You know, a spear has to have length through it for it to be effective. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So,
1: so uh, this woman, Gina Weiss, who's thirty-one years old, said that this encounter. Oh, did you hear that thunder? A little <laughs> bit. Yeah, it's like, kaboom. Sorry, Well, if folks. I hear the microphone explode.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'll Sorry, continue folks, on. About the
1: background noise. <laughs> Mother Nature's having some fun outside. <laughs> <laughs> but she said this encounter uh, lasted about 10 minutes as they were hiking around uh, this town or area called Blankenburg. Mm. And there's an area there called Sand Caves. And when they got to this area called the Sand Caves, that's when they saw what she described as this wolf man. Hmm. And she says, He stood up high on one of the caves and held a long wooden stick like a lance in his arm. Weird, man. Yeah. And she says, you know, he. I would estimate that he was in his 40s uh, age-wise and it she says it looked as if he was from the prehistoric era jeez yeah and get this she says he wouldn't take his eyes off us said nothing he looked dirty like a stone age man from a history book hmm. and that's that's what i would say too without uh without knowing that hmm. And uh, they say that the police in Blankenburg received multiple reports over the past five years of a bizarre figure, sometimes draped in wolf fur or in a wolf costume, who roamed freely in its wilderness.
0: What a bizarre happening. Do you think this is just some guy that uh, disenfranchised himself from society and he's out there just... Somehow, uh, cutting it by himself in the wilderness it could be, but I tell you, he looks a little extra hairy. <laughs> yeah. so, like, you know, like we say, you just don't go out and start to. I mean, if I, with my uh, Norwegian and Irish blood, if I just go out somewhere and decide I'm not going to live in this house anymore, I don't just suddenly start to grow, uh, you know, wads of extra hair on my body. Just, you know, Although as I get older, I got hair in places I didn't know, you know what I mean?
1: Ears don't count.
0: Ears, nostrils. <laughs> Even my teeth are growing a little bit. <laughs> what teeth I have. <laughs> so so
1: they, they. the story goes on to say that in March authorities received a call from a distressed hiker demanding help so this is a different account saying there's a wolf man running around here in the park and sharing that unexplainable fire bolts were appearing around the area of the figure so that's totally different right? fire bolts? fire
0: bolts is what the quote says boy that's freaking strange yep that is a whole a different element to it, you know. If it's legitimate, you know what the heck fireballs in the area where it is? What what's that all about? Yeah, geez, wow, yeah. And this and that, was in the same area, Kev? same for, exact area, same exact no area.
1: So uh, you know, now this Hart's Mountain Range stretches about sixty eight miles. Okay, um, and. Uh, you know, its it's uh, highest peak there is just under 4,000 feet. So not, you know, huge mountains, but definitely a rural place.
0: Yeah, well, plenty of uh, 68 miles of anything is plenty oh, of yeah, room, yeah. too. And I'll put some of the pictures
1: up here, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, man, that could be the Pacific Northwest,
0: you know. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah. you don't need uh, giant mountains to hide. Yeah you know all you need is uh woods food and uh you know if some type of creature any type of creature i'm sure there are bears over there and oh yeah uh, large four-footed animals of all kinds yeah no, what's interesting is uh they
1: say that this region of germany and this this big park here is known for its labyrinth landscape and dense vegetation um and there are a lot of eerie legends of strange and otherworldly creatures lurking in the vast mountain ranges and wilderness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is, uh, there's a lot of lore around witches, ancient cults, and frightening devilish beasts prowling in the shadows.
0: Yeah, you know, Europe, uh, man, you know, you dig into Europe, like, uh, they laugh at us because we talk about our history, you know, uh, old houses down in Stony Brook (laughs) from the 1700s. I mean, that's like new. You know, they've got buildings. Yeah, yeah, they've got buildings and structures over there going back a thousand years with other stuff buried underneath it.
1: Well, I talked about it uh, uh, one or two podcasts ago, you know, when I was just over in the UK and France. And. You know, look at Stonehenge, 5,000 years old. Yeah. You know, and people built it. I mean, might have been somebody that looked like this wolf man. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Or their distant cousin. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: you know, we know Germany, right, Bill? We love Germany for what is the creature they bring out at Christmas time? hmm Krampus. Krampus.
0: Krampus. Krampus. Krampus.
1: Well, it turns out, uh, also in this area, uh, they have another, uh, tradition where women in witch costumes, uh, come out on Walpurgis Night on April 24th each year. Uh Uh-huh. So, or, and Walpurgis, I'm sorry, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, it translates to
0: Witches Night. Boy, oh boy. You know, I was just watching, uh. The latest episode of Expedition X, Mm -hmm. and they were investigating the Hellfire Club. Oh, I saw that one, too. In uh, Ireland, you know. Ireland
1: and and in England, too, in the UK.
0: Yeah, you know, so no matter what you do, uh, human beings are destined to fall off the uh, precipice if given the opportunity to do so, you know what I mean? Yeah. You add, you add money, power, ability to buy and do what you want without restraint, and there's going to be a certain number of individuals who are going to take advantage of that uh, in the most nefarious of ways. Yeah, and I guess like that that story there, not to get into it here, yeah. um, they were
1: kind of protesting religion, so then went the other way and said, hey, we're going to worship the devil, so... We'll have to cover that one sometime too. That uh yeah, no, fire it,
0: club. It's a good story because, you know, I was just talking to my buddy Philip last night about this and it's interesting, you know, around the time of the Reformation, uh people started to, you know, latch on to, you know, I'm a free thinker, I don't need any organization to tell me what to do. And suddenly you go from being a free thinker about what the church is teaching, to the far end of the spectrum and lighting candles and praying incantations to bring in freaking devils into your house. Yeah. What a jump to take, you know? Yeah. So, but, but, so uh, by
1: the way, yeah. well, yeah, and, and uh, we're going on a little tangent here, but not, <laughs> not too bad. But um, it's so, you know, when you talk about that history too, Bill, our history here in the U.S. is so short. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you look at the history of religion, like in a place like the UK or even Ireland, it's like, well, especially the UK, it's it's amazing, right? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where the whole place is, say, Catholic, right? And if you're not Catholic, you know, they're pretty much going to kill you. And then you get a new king or a new queen. And they want to be Protestant, and they kill everybody that's Catholic, and then they switch back again.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? it's it's bad, man. So you man. can see how,
1: you know, folks over there get a little skeptical through time of religion, right? Yeah, wait, yeah. Wait a minute. This, this uh, king uh, wants to get a divorce and uh, has an argument with the Pope, so then he changes the whole religion to Protestant <laughs> from Catholicism and then— uh, you know, kills his, kills his girlfriend, <laughs> kills his wife, kills kills the bishop, et cetera. Yeah. And why? Because he can. Of course, our good friend Henry the Eighth.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God! What a freaking. <laughs> but this <laughs>
1: witch night, Bill, just to close off on this, April thirtieth yep. of each year there in Germany goes all the way back to eight, the year eight seventy. Uh-huh. So you know, you talk about this history, like holy cow, like yeah. Yeah. We've been uh, celebrating this thing, and, and you got to see, I'll put this picture up, too, of the the ladies dressed up like witches, and then, of course, the men dressed up as devils, you know, with Ugh. horns coming out of their head. Ah, they must—they must have
0: to do something before Krampus comes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what can we? What can we do? What can we possibly? What can we do with these Krampus costumes in the middle of the year? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, to, man! To
1: bring in the springtime. They, you, they're not just for winter. Yeah.
0: yeah. So the uh, <laughs> the naked wolf man, no, no attacks on individuals or anything no. like that. Animals found. No. Uh, Torn up or shredded in the woods? No, not in this
1: story. Now, this is a really recent story, and I I did Google it and see some of the other uh, accounts, uh, you know, that were mentioned in the same story where people see it sometimes wearing wolf skin and, you know, what they call the wolf costume, um, which, you know, I'm sure is like more like wolf skins, you know, depending on the time of the year, right, how cold mm-hmm. it is. It gets pretty chilly up there in in Germany, in the mountains. So wow. So super cool story, and uh, thanks, Kyle, for sending it in. I, uh, you, you knocked me off track with that story.
0: Yeah, excellent. Which is and, always good. By the way, folks, uh, as Kevin said, he was planning to do something else, and uh, this story came in from one of you, our listeners. And if you've seen something or heard of something like Kyle. Contact us at BigFootTerraInTheWoods.com and hit the contact link. Uh, I'll get back to you. You leave me your name, your number, and just a brief uh, summary of what it is you want to chat about. And uh, I'll get back to you. And listen, folks, if if you've left me your number and I haven't contacted you, do it again. Because sometimes I get caught up in life and uh, doing things and... uh, uh, I may overlook something or write something down on a piece of paper and uh, put it aside. So I haven't forgotten about you, and if I have, get back to me because yeah, don't be him. insulted, folks. He doesn't call me back sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, if I'm out doing my naked Wolfman routine, sometimes I get sidetracked. You know, that happens. That happens. There's nothing like sitting up on a limb of a tree with a spear, naked, Kev. There's just (laughs) just something about it, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, what do you you got for us this week,
0: Bill, in terms of a creepy account? Well, this account is uh, really strange. It's a little bit lengthy, so bear with me. But it's full of good uh, data points, and uh, the story and encounter is just going to rock your world. Uh, It was told to me by a fellow named Lucas McMillan, a resident of Richmond, Virginia. And I ask you to listen in as Lucas relays to us this fantastic tale uh, coming from the woods of Appalachia. It was during the early 80s, while living in the region of Richmond, Virginia, that I had more than a few associates, neighbors, co-workers, with whom I regularly hunted. Between a bunch of us, who were, by the way, rarely hunted together at one time in a group, we had spent most of our time hunting in our sister state of West Virginia, in and around the rolling hills and mountains of Appalachia. So much time had we spent in this region that during the early summer of 82, I had decided to look into the availability of a small house and a piece of land to be used as a lodge for me and the boys. It was during the course of a number of weeks that I had, via telephone, attempted to make contact with some realtors in the hope of finding what I was looking for. I remember the day exactly, because it was my son's birthday, May 2nd, that the phone rang. A gentleman returning my call from the previous day, his name was Jesse Long. On the phone, he sounded like a very old man, and he was quite certain that if he didn't have anything within his current inventory, he could most certainly find something to my liking. The following weekend, I took the drive to West Virginia with my partner, Bill, and met up with Jesse at his office. His office happened to be an enclosed porch attached to a very old plantation home, which just happened to be where he and his family lived. As we knocked on the door and he opened it, I was amazed to see that he wasn't old at all, but rather a young man of 45 who had the deepest, most gravelly voice that I've ever heard in my life. He, inviting us in and after pouring us each a glass of sweet tea, said, so you boys are looking for a hunting cabin, are you? We told him all the reasons why, based mainly on how much we hunted and where, after which he paused for a moment and then said this, You know, fellas, it's one thing to walk into an area and hunt for a day. It's quite another thing to stay in an area when the lights go out. When he said that, Bill and I kind of chuckled while glancing at each other, after which I said to Jesse, What makes you say that? He looked at me square in the eye and said, There are critters in them there woods that a man doesn't necessarily want to run into with or without a gun in his hand. To me, this was most the most bizarre beginning to a sales pitch that I'd ever heard of. If I didn't know any better, it sounded to me like he was trying to talk me out of it before we even got it going. He stood up out of his chair and said to us, I think that I have just the place for you. It's about an hour's ride from here, so let's get a move on. The three of us piled into a 1965 Cadillac Coupe de Ville that was in mint condition and headed off to see what he had to show us. As we approached a gravel cutoff road, I quite literally had no idea where it was we had traveled to. I think that I had seen maybe two structures, if you would call them houses, in the past half hour. So we were heading into this gravel road that was one car wide, winding back through and into the woods for almost 10 minutes before we broke out into an opening, in the middle of which sat a small log cabin on a stone foundation. Pulling up in front, we got out of the car as Jesse walked to the trunk and opened it. Bill and I were already walking around the cabin when Jesse came walking up and handed me a gun, saying, Let's go for a walk. Now, I'm going to ask you one simple question, Bill, and only one. When was the last time you were handed a gun when looking at a home? He handed me a forty-five caliber pistol and had put a holster on himself with another similar gun. And I said to him, what's this all about? He simply said, I will advise both of you, here and now, to never travel in these parts unarmed if you value your life and limbs. He said that it wasn't the people we had to worry about, but rather the critters. The cabin sat on the edge of what appeared to be an old farmstead that hadn't been plowed or used in a hundred years. We began to walk out into the field, heading towards one of the wood lines. When we had reached the edge of the field, we turned around and looked back in the direction of the cabin, simply amazed at the vastness of the property and the density of the surrounding forest. Jesse pointed in one direction and said, "'About a quarter mile back into that woods, there's a clear running brook that runs right through a hollow on your land where all the bears, deer, and boogers go for a drink.' I looked at him and Bill looked at me and I asked him, what the hell is a booger? He said to us, I figured I might as well tell you two fellas because you seem like two nice gentlemen. In these parts, we have what is known as the hairy man or the booger by the local folk. They are said to be by many a tall, formidable creature covered from head to toe by hair and muscle which roamed around in these parts since before the white men came. We talked more about this, as you would well imagine, and as we walked back to the cabin, when the conversation turned to that of the cabin having no power and only a well pump outside. I walked over, grabbed the handle on the pump, and after a number of attempts, nothing came out. Jesse said it hadn't been used in so, such a long time that it may have lost its prime, but that if we wanted the property, he would have it working for us as part of the sale. The front door had a huge padlock on it, and each of the six windows on the cabin were covered with two layers of chicken wire, which almost entirely obscured the glass from view. Jesse said that it was needed to keep unwanted visitors from gaining access into the cabin because when you blow the candle out, you can't see the hand in front of your face here. He opened the lock and going inside it was what you basically call three rooms with plank floors and one, one of the rooms had a door on it. There was a metal basin on a steel stand that I guess would be used for washing up and a stone fireplace set in one wall. There was also no insulation and no interior walls to speak of or any refinements of any kind to be seen. This was, a bare bo- this was as bare bones as bare bones could be, and then some. Jesse said to us, so, what do you think, gents? Is this place a good starting point for your house hunt? I told him that Bill and I were going to step outside and have a little private talk, and he didn't mind, so... I said, we'll be right back in, and the asking price for the land in the cabin, I might add, was $4,700, including 27 acres and use of the surrounding land for hunting and fishing. Bill and I were in agreement that the boys would flip over this as a hunting lodge, but we both found this whole booger thing really unsettling, especially the way it had been told to us by handing me a gun as we went for a walk the long and short of it was that we took the house for 3900 bucks, with the well pump being made ready for use upon our signing of the deal. It was only four weeks after the deal had closed that myself and two other guys had gone to spend the weekend doing a little small game hunting in the fields and surrounding woods. It was really more of a reconnaissance mission in order to better understand what exactly we had at our disposal. The first thing we decided to do, after having stocked the cabin with gas lights, candles, cans of kerosene, and the like, was to find a creek of which Jesse had spoken. We had walked into the woods maybe a quarter of a mile when we came upon the site of an old moonshine still. Having never made a drop of shine, we all knew what it was we were looking at. It appeared to have been abandoned, being completely intact, relatively speaking. Although everything, with the exception of the copper, had completely rotted away, the entire still seemed to have been just walked away from. We thought that whoever had been running it may have died, and it was left where it it stood, abandoned for years, until we had discovered it. About a hundred feet from the still, we came upon the creek, which was, of course, the reason why the still had been built there. The creek was beautiful, the water was fresh and clear, We were all kind of soaking it in when Steve started to point out all of the tracks that were alongside of the creek. They were indicative of just how many animals were taking advantage of it as a water source. The three of us were now walking along with our heads down, examining the tracks when a loud, prolonged howl began to sound from deep within the woods. All of us kind of locked eyes and virtually said at the same time, what the heck was that? This howl, as I say, was loud and prolonged, lasting almost 15 or 20 seconds before it ended, when everything had become suddenly very silent. Being in one accord as to what we had heard, we agreed it must have been a mountain line, none of us having ever heard one for ourselves. Having now brushed off the howl, we began once again to scour the banks of the creek, looking at the tracks when Steve said, check this out. The three of us gathered around where Steve stood pointing. We were looking down on what was too full and one partial track in the soft mud of a gigantic bare human foot, one of which was vir- virtually perfect and couldn't have been hours old if that. Our estimation was approximately 20 inches long and very wide, and the great toe or big toe was kind of hooked downward the inside, uh, toward the inside edge of the foot. I must say to you that Steve was not privy to the conversations which Bill and I had with Jesse about the booger and the hairy man, but I knew as I looked at Bill that he and I were on the same line of thinking, that line of thinking being that the howl and the footprint belonged to the same creature, which was in fact the booger. When the sun set, We were in the cabin for about an hour, having brought some tools, we had removed the chicken wire from the windows, and had actually managed to open three of them, breaking a panel of glass in the process. For the time being, we were taking care of our business in a ditch outside until such time as we could do an outhouse renovation in the future. After the sun had well set, we stepped out the front door onto what was the porch, and we couldn't even see the truck. Which was parked only 20 feet away. When I say we couldn't see it, I'm not kidding, for not even a glimmer of a piece of chrome could be seen. It was that black and palpable. I had never experienced anything like it before in my life. And that night, having bombed the entire cabin with bug spray before we hiked to the creek, we settled down for what we hoped would be a good night's rest. We hung a kerosene lantern from the ceiling and were sleeping on bags and fold-up cots on the floor. The position of my head was such that it was facing in the direction of the window pane that had been broken out while trying to open the windows during the day. It was late when I awoke from my sleep, and as I looked at my watch, it read 305. The odd thing was that a horrible stench was wafting through the missing glass panel in the window and I actually heard the water pump's handle moving up and down, maybe two or three times outside. The pump was about 20 feet from the cabin, located just beyond the only section of cabin where there was no window to look out and see from where I was sleeping. Not that I could have seen it without a flashlight, having just told you how dark it was, but whatever was moving the handle couldn't see me either, As I now got up, I crept over and poked Steve, who was shocked to see me looking down at him. And he said to me, what's wrong? I whispered for him to listen, telling him that something was pumping water from the well. As we both sat quietly, the handle of the well began to creak yet again. We both put our boots on and grabbed our lights and our guns. Bill was actually sleeping in a room, which could be seen into from the viewpoint of the pump when outside. Steve and I crept low and slow across the floor, and when we reached the door, we had our lights on facing the floor and burst out of the door, turning the corner of the cabin with our guns in hand. As we rounded the corner, our lights met with the back of a gigantic hair-covered monster fleeing into the darkness. It was only maybe two or three seconds that we both had seen it, but see, we did. Steve fired two slugs from his shotgun into the darkness, and then all went quiet. Bill had jumped up at the sound of gunfire and started shouting, where the hell are you guys? We told him we were outside, and then he made it out for himself. We told him we just fired two shots at a monster. The three of us then all gathered together back inside of the cabin and began to iron out the details of just what happened. Steve and I had a clear look at the rear of this beast even though it was brief. We were in agreement. It was at least twice the height of the well pump which was itself over four feet tall and it seemed to be some five to six feet wide at the upper back. During the remainder of the night, none of us had slept a wink, and we had told Steve all as it pertained to our first day's meeting with Jesse and everything he told us about the booger in the woods as he called it. Only now, Steve had seen the booger and Bill hadn't, being still asleep when we ran out the front door in pursuit of the beast. At first light, we were out of the door and looking around the pump for evidence of what had taken place. There were dozens of deep impressions made in the damp soil surrounding the well, and they were exactly the same as those we had seen by the creek during the day. This thing was obviously watching and knew the sound of the creaking well's handle, which we had been using. Perhaps it was familiar with it as a water source and was investigating the fact that it was now working again. Whatever the case may be, this booger knew how to work the pump, which means, to me, very unusual behavior for any type of animal. That day, we packed up all of our gear and headed back to Jesse's office. When we arrived, he was there and invited us in as we immediately began to tell him all that had transpired the day and the night before. He wasn't surprised, but rather shocked, that we had experienced it and how quickly it had occurred. He said, usually these boogers had to warm up to the people and their activities before they began to make their presence known. But this critter had come in like a flood the very first day we had arrived. I told him that I wouldn't be keeping the property and asked if he would handle putting it back up for sale, to which he agreed. As of this day... In 2017, the property has still not been sold, and I haven't had so much as an offer of a dollar for it. Since that day's encounter, we've never gone back to the land, and I have written it off as a total loss. What do you think of that, Kev? Wow.
1: Now, where was that, Bill, did did you say at the beginning of the account? Yeah, they were in the
0: Appalachians in West Virginia. I was was going to say, someplace south here with the boogers Legend. Yeah, he he came from the Richmond area of Virginia. Right. But he had stated initially that he and his cronies uh, used to like to go into West Virginia to hunt. Yeah. Maybe the area they felt comfortable. Whatever. I mean, this well, I don't think I, there's much
1: hunting in Richmond, but
0: definitely yeah, hunting in yeah. West Virginia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you Bart- think you could hunt a squirrel in Richmond. <laughs>
0: but, well, you know, uh, what well, I don't know the lay of the land down there. So perhaps an hour out of Richmond, there might be some decent hunting. But they like the lay of the land over there. You could know? be, could be, yeah. But it's. Um, Something else where you're, I mean,
1: I could see why they buy it, right? Yeah, it's creepy, but it's a hunting cabin. It's not like you're living there all the time, right? And, the, and what a deal. Like, the price was yes. unbelievable for what it was. But what are you thinking when you're first there? You know it's a creep. Fest. It has these legends associated with the property, and then... One of the first things you do is take the chicken wire off the windows.
0: Yeah. And how about being handed a handgun when you go in to look at the place? Hey, you know, know, let's
1: take this chicken wire off. Let's brighten (laughs) the place up a little bit. We could probably. I see it's got this big wooden stock to keep the door closed. Let's get rid of that. There's probably not many thieves out here. You know, maybe we could get rid of the solid wooden door on the front of this cabin yeah. and put like a little screen door up there. Yeah, I have a
0: nice Anderson storm door at home. With some
1: more ventilation. That
0: would be nice. What do you oh think, people? Yeah, I mean, you know, for thirty seven hundred bucks or uh, thirty nine hundred bucks with twenty something acres of land and this little, you know, shack in decent shape on a stone foundation, I mean, you know, if you were a Boy Scout or something, you'd be like tickled to be crashing out in this place, you know. Oh yeah. You know, I might, you know, as a naked wolf man, I wouldn't enjoy having such a, a a wonderful home to live in. <laughs> Got my farm
1: a good finally a good place to hang up my spear
0: ah over the fireplace <laughs> <laughs> unless yeah. he's like you know Stone Age man
1: ah fire yeah ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great account though Bill super yeah crazy super man creepy, super
0: detailed uh, good stuff yeah you know I figured I'd lay the whole thing on you because being brought into the how and the why that they were there and really how quickly it began. Like this guy, Jesse said, I'm surprised. Uh, you know, he got, he got kind of uh, accustomed to you guys relatively quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Friendly, friendly guy working the well. (laughs) And I guess guess
1: the booger was happy that they repaired the well, right? Wasn't that part of, uh, the closing of the cabin?
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, a well makes a certain amount of noise ratcheting it up and down. And I'm in agreement that this thing may have been familiar with that well in years gone by when it was last used. Oh,
1: yeah. Maybe it was hanging out in the edge of the woods. Watching yeah, just watching
0: it. people use it and then seeing a truck come in or whoever came in to prime it and fix it and... Let's face it, if you're out in the woods by yourself, like my friend says to me, they know you're coming before you know they're there. Yeah, a couple of boogers were watching, and uh, one booger said
1: to the other, now don't lose the prime on that thing again.
0: Jeez. (laughs) It's been like five years since we had that one. (laughs) It's better to use that than the creek. (laughs) <laughs> Modern conveniences. If you screw it up again, it's back to the bucket brigade. <laughs> yeah, the mother booger comes out, you know, with a white apron on and a little <laughs> white puffy hat, you know. I'm telling that's, you, Bill, if you do this again, you're going to get the wooden spoon. That's exactly what I was envisioning. <laughs> Remember the old mama bear and papa bear thing? The mama bear always had the little white fluffy dress on with the white hat. <laughs> Yeah, Cooking frills around the cuffs. Yeah, you got it. That's exactly what I'm seeing. What's wrong with me? I don't understand why I see these things. <laughs> awesome. awesome. So, my friend, what do we have in our listener mail today? Yes, it's
1: time for listener mail. And uh, we have some good stuff. So the first email comes in from Howard. And the subject is pictures of a Florida skunk ape. And he says, I trust you guys. I trust you guys. And I want to share with you that I had a very scary encounter at Herky Huffman Bull Creek Wildlife Area in 2021 in Osceola County. I'm probably pronouncing that improperly, but Osceola County in uh, Florida. Okay. I faced off with a skunk ape, got pictures to prove it. I'm in central Florida on the eastern side if you're interested, get in touch with me. I have excellent pictures that I'm willing to share with you.
0: Yeah, and I did reach out to him. I haven't heard back from him yet, so if you listen, bro. Uh come on, know, Howard, we want to see the pictures. Yeah, Howard. Dial, you know, nine one one mister Bill. And by the way, Bill, you know
1: that we've covered those skunk ape encounters. Some of the some of the videos of those skunk ape encounters in the swamps in Florida. Yeah. I think they're some of the most compelling encounters.
0: Absolutely, because yeah. you have to take into account the surroundings, the danger uh, that's in those areas in the form of the snakes and gators and just all kinds of nastiness yeah, that can take hard you
1: place out. To do a hoax,
0: yeah, you know.
1: Yeah. Like, are you going to crawl around in the swamps with the water moccasins and gators to, to, dressed up as a Bigfoot? No, yeah. you're
0: not. Not me. Not, not me. me. But I did try to pull off a hoax in my living room, but when I reviewed the footage, it just didn't Didn't look good? Know. You could see the seams? Well, you know, them. not only that, you know, the, the Bigfoot reclining in a lazy boy, you know, just... To, <laughs> Complaining about he, the battery. He and the was puffing on a Macanudo cigar and drinking a freaking bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it just didn't uh, go over, you know. I, I don't know why. We'll try it again. All right. All right. But yeah, uh I reached out to this fella, please uh get back to me. I want to hear all the gritty details and I want to see the pictures that you have, of course. So uh anyways, we'll leave it at that for that cup. All right. Well, we have uh, a little bit of a longer email, but
1: a good one with a bit of an account in it I'm going to cover, which is from Jeff in Georgia. And he says, let me start by saying what an awesome job y'all are doing on the podcast. I love it and keep up the great work. W.J., I have all the books and I listen to them on Audible. Let me tell you about an encounter that happened when I was around 14 or 15 years old So this had to be in the late 70s or early 80s, and it happened on my grandmother's property in northwest Georgia, close to the Chattahoochee National Forest. Uh Uh-huh. I stayed with my grandma a lot when I was growing up because I was the oldest out of 10 grandchildren, and she had told me on several occasions about seeing this creature jumping across the road and hearing strange sounds of screams and hollers back and forth like there were more than one. Hmm. Me, personally, never seen this creature, but I heard it on several occasions, occasions because back then it was frequent that the whole family would go almost every weekend to sit around the fire and roast hot dogs and marshmallows. My grandmother always told us it was a Black Panther. But on this particular night, my dad decided for us to go let the dogs out, to let the dogs go out and run for a little because we were planning a coon hunt the following weekend with my uncle and cousin. If I remember right, we had four coon dogs at the time, so we'd pull up to the spot, let the dogs out of the dog boxes, and take off tracking through the woods. This goes on for an hour. We can hear the dogs uh, over and across the ridge And all of a sudden, they just stop barking. So we don't think about uh, going deeper in the woods. Mm -hmm. And this night, we only had our Coleman lanterns and didn't have our spotlights. So we keep walking through the woods, and we're looking for the dogs. Dad's calling the dogs, but they won't come. So we think nothing about it and keep walking through the woods. They keep circling us for about an hour, when we would stop, so, sorry, this is a little wordy. It's a
0: tough, it's a tough it's a read. Tough read.
1: <laughs> um, we were armed with twenty-two, only armed with twenty-two rifles, so they would not come any closer to the lantern light, so we could see the whole time. We were thinking that this is the dogs, until we get back to the truck and we find the dogs hiding under the truck, whimpering and scared to death. Oh,
0: well, that's weird.
1: Yeah. Um, Dad never talked about it much after that. He passed away from COVID in 2021, so I never got to really press him on it. I did talk to my mom about if we if he did talk to her about it. She told me some other stuff that happened at my other grandmother's place, um, but she didn't know about this encounter. Hmm. So uh, pretty. Pretty scary stuff. So I guess after the dogs ran away, Bill and they're hunting, They're walking through the woods, looking for the dogs with their Coleman lanterns. Uh, they they thought something was circling them in the woods. Yeah, but it, and they they chalked it up to the dogs, but it wasn't the dogs. And then they saw hunting dogs, which don't usually ever get scared, had returned to the
0: truck and were hiding under. Yeah, it's kind of the whole thing is kind of odd. Kind of odd. Yeah, yeah Very strange Well, you know, there's a lot of strange things going on out there, obviously, you know Yeah And uh, we thank this fella for writing into us and cluing us in on some of the details And I know, Kev, you know, when I look at some of the emails uh, People tend to ramble on a little bit uh, Which is why I do the accounts verbally the way I do I try to give them to you in a concise package uh that's easily understood you know bringing you through the oh, yeah. layers it's all good too yeah, yeah. bringing it well, okay. through the layers so you're not sitting back like who is this guy you know yeah
1: but we do appreciate everybody writing in no matter what the format
0: is so, no doubt about and it it's
1: a good creepy story um and and certainly the chattahoochee forest down there i've been there hiking around in georgia it's it's uh it's a good wilderness
0: Yeah, well, I think I've had a couple coming out of that area, the Chattahoochee, so it's no shock to me. And I do do know
1: how to pronounce that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bill,
0: our last email
1: comes in from one of our regular contributors, Lee from Minnesota. Minnesota. Exactly. And the subject is the Provincetown Phantom. Hmm. And I haven't heard of that one, Bill. I'm definitely gonna be looking into it. She says, mm-hmm. she writes, Hi, Kevin. Notice she's silent on you. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about this creepy guy, and some of the descriptions <sighs> reminded me of Spring Heel Jack. Oh. Only it's here in America about a hundred years later. Thought it might make a good topic for cryptids in the news and other oddities. Hmm. Lee from Minnesota. And then she does say, "P.S. Hi, Bill. <laughs> yeah, no book for you, Lee. But thank you, Lee. I am all over this. And if I ever get a book, I'll send
0: you one. But I don't have one yet. Either. <laughs> oh, forget it, Kev. If I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to give it to Lee, you can, both of you can forget about yeah, it. I knew I wasn't getting an autograph.
1: <laughs> all right, Bill. Well, that's it this week. Thanks, folks, for tuning in and listening. On your favorite podcast player or on YouTube, wherever you like to get your fun. Wherever it is, we thank you for those five-star reviews. And we thank you even more for those written reviews. Uh, those kind words uh, keep us going and give us a little bit of a spring in our step. Maybe not the same spring that Spring-Heeled Jack
0: has. <laughs> Yeah, and folks, remember this. If you should find yourself wandering around the mountainous areas in Bavaria or perhaps in the Appalachian foothills in West Virginia, you best remember one thing, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.